Folks, I want you to listen to me for the next few minutes as we uh, open up the Word of God. I am very excited about what the future holds for the kingdom of God, for the church in general, and the church specifically, Sagemont Church. I uh, am entitling the message today, and maybe the one that will follow next week, In Anticipation of a Visitation. In Anticipation of a Visitation. You know, whenever you're thinking, you know, company's going to come over to the house, or uh, I'm going to get honored in something, or I'm going to get an opportunity to go to, and see a ball game or whatever, but something really special, you think of that uh, being here or being there, or when someone says someone's coming to see you, and you really look forward to their coming to see you, and you look with great anticipation to that. Well, with that thought in mind, Sagemont Church, over its 53-year history, has had an opportunity to see, on many occasions, a visitation from God. When God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit showed up in their unique ways and were of one accord, and together this church has experienced some incredible, incredible years and days. If you do not know the Sagemont story, we'll be glad to give you the book that will help with some of the highlights. But the Scripture tells us None of us know what another day is going to bring. But the Bible tells us that it is all planned by God and that God has a purpose for everything. And the Lord has told us in the Scripture, and I want to go back and read to you a, a passage. It's, it's uh, uh, about 15 verses, but most of it's the words of Jesus. Listen to this passage. The scripture says in verse 15 of John 14, if you love me, keep my commandments. Now this is Jesus speaking. I'm going to pray to the Father, and he's going to send you another comforter, and he may abide with you forever. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but you know him, and he dwells with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more. But you'll see me, because I live. You're going to live also. At that day you shall know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. And he that hath my commandments and keeps them, he it is that loves me. And he that loves me shall be loved by my Father, and I will love him, and will manifest myself to him. Well, Judah saith unto him, Lord, how is it that thou wilt manifest thyself unto us and not unto the world? Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man loves me, he will keep my words. My Father will love him, will come unto him, will make our abode with him. He that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings, and the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's which sent me. These things have I spoken unto you, being yet present with you. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. Listen to this final verse. 
peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world gives, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. I want you to think with me for just a moment. And in my introduction, I'm trying to paint a, a picture with a, with a bold brush. I want to give you three things to remember in the, for the rest of your life. Number one, everything began. Well, let, let me go back to Genesis 1. Let's just start at really the beginning. Genesis 1, 1 and 2. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void and darkness came upon the face of the deep and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Now listen, number one, everything began and always does begin when God steps out of heaven into this universe and whether it's speaking this world into existence or guiding it day by day. Colossians 1.16, listen to the verse. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in the earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things are created by him and for him. God the Father stepped into creation, number one. Number two, in Luke chapter 2, verse 10, and the angel said unto them, Fear not. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Now we have God the Father. Now we have God the Son. In 1 Timothy 1.15, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into this world to save sinners, whom I am chief. In Matthew 1, 21, And she shall bring forth the Son, he'll call his name Jesus, for he'll save his people from their sins. Now let me stop. Number one, the Father came. Number two, the Son came. His name is Jesus. Number three, the Holy Spirit comes. And that Holy Spirit begins to take over the life of the believer if that believer invites them to do so. The body of Christ takes on that challenge to follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit. God the Father is on standby. God the Son laid down his life and rose from the grave. Now the Holy Spirit is here in your and my generation. I did not see Jesus in the flesh, but many times I have experienced the presence of the Holy Spirit. Many times this church has experienced the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. It always overrides anything else. Where there's criticism rebellion, confusion, you name it. He's in control. He has said to us, upon this rock, I'll build my church, and my spirit-filled people will come together and be in one accord, 
And what they will do is they will go about spreading the gospel to the uttermost part of the earth. We have also experienced already this summer some incredible things abroad in India and other places of the world where God has sent missionaries out to carry the gospel right out of this church, right here at this altar on a Wednesday, on a plane on Thursday, and on the other side of the world on the next day. And they've gone to love people in Jesus' name and spread the gospel of the Lord Jesus. And then come back home. And those that gather on Wednesday night that had the joy of sending them out and praying over them are usually the first to hear what God did when his Holy Spirit showed up in the uttermost part of the earth. Listen to me, church family. When God shows up, you'll know it. And when God shows up, you won't have a better idea. His ways are higher than our ideas. He comes and takes charge. He tells us, you must decrease, and I must increase. In the 16th chapter of John, verses 7 through 15, the scripture says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I'll send him unto you. And when he's come, listen to this, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin, because they believe not on me. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Of judgment, because the prince of this world is judged. I have yet many things to say unto you, but you can't handle them right now. Howbeit when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he's going to guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself. For he shall receive of mine and show it unto you all things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, said I, that he shall take of mine and shall show it unto you. Now let me move quickly. That is our background. Out of all that reading of the scripture, there's three things you must not forget. God's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And all three of these things, the Father has preeminence. Jesus is the name above every name. At the name of Jesus, every knee abound, every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord. The priority of this church is not the style of ministry. The priority of this church is if Jesus be lifted up, he will draw people unto him. It is about him. It's not about us. We must remind ourselves on a daily basis as we begin to think about how, if I was in charge, what I would do, we have one who is in charge. It's God the Father. He says, I will take care of my church. But what he put the church here for is not to please people, but to please him. When we please him, everything else takes care of itself. When Jesus Christ is lifted up, all people are drawn unto him. Every person on the planet dies longing to know their creator. They want to. They, they don't even know what they're looking for many times. But that's the reason that they're so hungry and why they're so thirsty for the things of God. And how their, their priorities are wrong. Their methodology is wrong. 
But Jesus has said, listen, don't you forget three things. Genesis 1, God created the heavens and the earth. Acts 2, the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came. And, and in the 22nd chapter of Revelation, the churches. God has chosen for whatever reason to show himself through his churches. God says, my eyes are going to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in behalf of a people whose heart is perfect towards him. The perfect people are the people that want the focus to be on Jesus. Those that fail are those that want it to be like they want it. God has charge of his church. He says, I'll never walk out on you. As long as you are committed to why I put the church on earth, I'm with you. I will never leave you, but I will guide you into all truth. Now, here are some facts. Number one, the power of the Holy Spirit is immeasurable. It's immeasurable. All of the power that is there. You know, I look, I watch television. I don't know what the hope of this country is. I don't know what the hope of our world is. From anything I read or watch other than God's inspired and inerrant and infallible word. He has laid it out so clearly from the book of Genesis to the book of Revelation. My kids, my church, my bride, you're fixing to go through some things. You're going to fight each other. You're going to fuss each other. You're going to major on the minors and minor on the major. But rather than lift up your favorite person on earth, Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will handle the situation. If people come to church and they just sing about Jesus, they go to Bible study and they learn about Jesus, they go out to fellowship with others and they talk about Jesus, they hear someone preach and it's about Jesus. My goodness, that's all they can talk about over there. You know what the lost world says? Maybe I need to go over there. Because that's what I need. I need is Jesus. The world can get by with any of us, but it can't get by without the power of the Holy Spirit. Remember this, the presence of the Holy Spirit is universal. And number three, the purpose of the Holy Spirit is multiple. In other words, not just one person possesses it, but all of God's children. So you say, Pastor, how, 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 does it, how does God handle each of us individually? Or you might say, me personally, that's okay. God, what do you want to do with me? Here I am, send me. Here I am, teach me. Here I am, show me. You know how much I love you. You know how much I love my family. You know how much I love my fellow believers in Christ. Now, Lord, what do you want me to do? How, where are you going to start? Number one, he comforts us. He comforts us in our tribulations. He comforts us in our triumphs. He comforts us when we go through the valley. He comforts us when we don't understand because his ways are higher than ours. He is the God of all comfort. If you want something that will make you feel good, get full of the Holy Spirit and the power of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And know 
If there's something that you are experiencing, you know it's wrong, you know it's a sin, you know it's a disgrace to God, take it to God and let the blood of Jesus cleanse it, cleanse you from all sin, and walk from that time to follow him the rest of your days. But not only does the Holy Spirit comfort you, I started off with the easy one. Can I give you the hard one? He convicts you. Same Holy Spirit that comforts me convicts me. Sometimes I can get carried away in my ways being higher than his ways, and I always feel convicted about that. God's Word says the Holy Spirit will convict us. Another thing the Holy Spirit does, it interprets God's Word. You don't want a preacher interpreting the Bible. Let the Holy Spirit interpret it to you. The preacher can introduce you to the text. He can help you understand the text as he understands it, but you need to have a relationship with the author of the book that you want to get truth from, the Holy Word of God. Proper interpretation of Scripture do not come from secular books or from religious books written by secular people or even preachers. The truth is the Word of God, the Holy Bible. The Holy Spirit empowers us spiritually, morally, physically, and financially. Some people look at $12 million and say, that's more zeros than I can count. I look at the Bible and says, this simply says, all that's in the heavens and all that's in the earth is mine. I own the cattle on a thousand hills, on the hills they graze on. I love my children. I want to bless my children. They'll do my will. And when I can find the people that'll follow me, I will supply all of their needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. This church learned almost a half a century ago that God's got more money than any loan company, any bank, any mortgage company, or anybody else. He owns it all. God's got plenty of money. He just can't find people to trust it to. That's the problem. The Holy Spirit protects us from all evil. You know what? The Holy Spirit can protect your finances. I know you, you got insurance on. You got it all insured. Well, let me tell you who I want to insure whatever God gives me. I want the one that gave it to me to take control of it. If he gave it to me, if somebody takes it away, he can give it back to me again. Because it's all his. We go around and say, I lost my money, I lost my money. You know what? God never lost any money. He knows right where every dollar is. He knows that some of them have been in your pocket too long. <laughs> but he also knows what your need is, individually and collectively. Which leads to the last thing about the Holy Spirit, and that is he will provide. Most of the time, I think, the Holy Spirit goes about quietly doing its work. Not the blasphemous thing, not the big uh, of kind of a, like a firework show of blessings, but rather the Holy Spirit quietly does his work in the hearts and the lives of his people. But there are times when God shows his power, even financially. Many, many times this church, Sagemont Church, has shocked this city 
with the blessings God has poured upon his people here at this church. But it's also happened in many churches of the world, some directly as a result of Sagemont Church, Houston, Texas. The first Baptist church in Dallas, Texas, I grew up, it was the most known. Dr. W.A. Criswell, one of the most beloved authors and preachers that ever lived in downtown Dallas. But one day, First Baptist Dallas and, and Sagemont Houston got together and God used this church to get that church out of debt. Hundreds of million dollars have resulted from that church being out of debt. If you want to come and sit down in my office, I'll show you the names of the Bellevue Baptist Church in Memphis, Idlewild in Florida, the churches all over America that we know about, and one in Zimbabwe from some of the poorest people in the world. And I got to go over there and speak to three services one Sunday morning, and those precious people were blessed with God to build a $10 million auditorium so their people could come. And it stands today. Listen to me. To my knowledge and my understanding of the Bible, the Holy Spirit holds such a high place of honor in the triune deity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The unpardonable sin, to sin that sin, it is to blaspheme the Holy Spirit. And the scripture says that there is nothing that can forgive you when you lambast the Holy Spirit that's trying to take charge of your life. Your health, your wealth, your marriage, your children, your company, your relationships, only the Holy Spirit can do that. Nowhere do you find... You say, I don't believe in Jesus. That's not an unpardonable sin. But you have to believe in him and trust him to be saved. I mean, it takes, you know, rank stupidity not to believe in the dead, I mean, in the person Jesus Christ. Nor the Father, but the Holy Spirit. Here it is, Matthew 12. If you want to write this down, Matthew 12, 31. Wherefore I say unto you, listen, all manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men, but... The blasphemy against the Holy Spirit shall not be forgiven unto men. And whosoever speaks a word against the Son of Man, it'll be forgiven him. But whosoever speaks against the Holy Spirit, it shall not be forgiven him, neither in this world nor in the world to come. Take seriously when you feel like God may be convicting you about giving up a sin or about starting something like being generous instead of being stingy. Maybe starting something for you to tell people how much you love them rather than how much you disagree with them. God's Holy Spirit is a powerful thing that we have available today where every one of the resources flow through the Holy Spirit. All of the truth, all the love, all the forgiveness, all the power, all the wealth, all the health, you name it, it all comes through Him. In Ephesians 4.30... It says, grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. It is the Holy Spirit that puts the icing on the cake. It puts you safe in the hands of God. When the Holy Spirit takes over your life and starts controlling your life, you'll start making right choices. When it comes to getting married, 
when it comes to going to a doctor or not going to a doctor, when it comes to changing your business or, or going into another vocation, you could go with many, many, many different things. But you know what God says? Follow me. Yeah, God, but you're in heaven. Yeah, but the Holy Spirit is with you. Let him guide you. And he will guide you into all truth. And you say, well, where do I find him? Matthew 18, 20 says, For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. Hey, I had a great, marvelous idea. Spontaneously. That could be right now. Could you look around and see three people that might be righteous that came today? Well, sure you can. Why are we here? I hope all of us are here to worship him. We didn't come to meet each other. We could have done that somewhere else. But we've come to worship. We've come to encourage people to get saved. We've come to find out what God is doing in your life. I don't have the permission to use names here, but it happened this morning. And I'll use them next week, if maybe, or Wednesday night. But one of the thrills came just this morning as I was standing out in the foyer for one of our most faithful members for years. Has an incredible testimony, incredible story. He brought his telephone over to me, and I was there standing with two other laymen in our church. He opened up. He said, I want to show you something. He opened up his phone, and he shows me a picture from the hospital of his body just a, a little over a year ago. All of the black was cancer. All of it. Then he said, I want to show you another picture. And he flipped that one over, and there was the same body made in the same x-ray room, and there's no cancer to be found. That's what happens. That's what happens. The secret is in the power of the Holy Spirit, not in the wisdom or the intelligence of medicine. Thank God for them. But we don't get saved by coming to church reading the Bible. We get saved by the Holy Spirit who when he comes, he becomes Lord of our life. Then he begins to control what we say, what we do, where we go, where we don't go, what we give or what we don't give, and you can just keep on with the list because he is in control. We are the bride of Christ. The Holy Spirit is the one that wants to direct us for all of the days of our life. My dad would often say to the congregation at First Baptist Church in Pasadena, Texas, when I was growing up, he would use this phrase. I've come across it often in reading some notes that he would, he would write out to himself. It's only three words. But he would be preaching on any subject. He might be early in the sermon, middle of the sermon, or at the end of the sermon. He'd just stop, and he'd get the people's attention, and he said three words. Are you listening? Well, I can tell most of them weren't. But some of them were. Are you listening? The Holy Spirit loves you. No, no, no nobody loves me anymore. Oh, yes, it does. Yeah, I, I'm just, I'm too far down the road. I can't change. Oh, yes, you can. All things are possible through him. Don't you ever, ever believe 
that the Holy Spirit doesn't have power to break down everything that's keeping you from being what God wants you to be. But when you blaspheme the Holy Spirit, that is the unpardonable sin. That Spirit is drawing many of you right now to the Lord. Some of you have been in church all your life. You just never got it. Some of you have not been to church in a long time. But you're hearing in our Bible study classes, and Freeman did such an incredible job in these last few Sundays, and, and Kathy and I got to watch, and we, we were able to pray and thank God. God is in this place. Amen. But it ain't finished. <laughs> what is it? Yogi said it, was, it ain't over till it's over. And until we hear that trumpet blow, it isn't over. And you can sit back there lost as you could possibly be, but you're one second from being born again. And every sin you've ever committed be put under the blood of Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. And your, and your instruction will be, I, don't, I forgive you, go and sin no more. The only, only way that we can have power over sin is to have the Holy Spirit living in our life. I'm sorry, folks, but you may say, well, I know so much Bible, I pray so many prayers, I've been to church so many thousand times, I've given so much money, but do you know the Lord? Do you have a Holy Spirit that convicts you? Do you have a Holy Spirit that comforts you? Do you have those moments where there's a medical problem, where there's a financial problem, where there's a marital problem. I don't care what it is. Do you know that there's one that sticks closer than a brother? And we as a church, as we are facing what we're calling envision, we have research has shown us, our experience has shown us, and God has chosen this church from the beginning of its first Sunday to focus on young people. The stories go back that are unbelievable, and I am accumulating them. Today, there are those that one time were in a vacation Bible school at Sagemont Church or in a Sunday school class at Sagemont Baptist Church or whatever, as a little child. And they're in some of the most influential places of leadership in the world today because they met Jesus Christ when they were a child. I don't know what I'd be doing if I wouldn't have met the Lord when I was seven years old. I don't know. But I do know I met him. And you know if you have. But if you think it's just that God grades on the curve, he doesn't. Okay? You say, well, you know, I was a 30, maybe I was 40% when I got saved and baptized. I'm up to about 60, 65 now. I think God let me live a little longer. I'll finish out in the high 90s and I'll make it. God doesn't grade on the curve. The only way he grades is you're either saved or you're not saved. You've either, you've either been born again. You can't enter your mother's womb. You can't enter the Holy Spirit's womb. You must be born again. And when you're born again, let me tell you something, friend. Now watch this. You take this home, get by yourself, because you might even say an ugly word when you begin to think about it. But anybody that recognizes sin for sin, that's what it is, the Bible says abstain from it, stay away from it, don't touch it, etc., etc. But your favorite word is moderation. I don't care what it is. 
whether you're moderate and you're drinking, you're drugging, <laughs> your conversational language, vocabulary, whatever. No, my friend, no. No, you're either saved or you're lost. There's not going to be Main Street and the slum in heaven. There's going to be a mansion for everybody who goes there. But everybody who goes there has been born again. And the Catholics didn't give it to them, and the Baptists didn't give them to it, and the Methodists didn't give it to them, nor any other church you can name. The way of the cross leads home. Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission for sin. And the Holy Spirit gives you an opportunity to hear how to be saved and how to know that God will supply your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. The only thing I know about the $10 million that, that is needed now for envision is that God will do it again if God's hand is still on this church. And many new people will be brought in to understanding that it's better to let God have it than anything else. We don't know what another day is going to bring. Many have come close to death. I want you to pray. I don't have the details here. Kathy has them. But one of the staff members, Champion Forest Church in Houston today, that church is groaning because one of their families on a mission trip was killed in a car wreck, three of them, and the fourth one is in a coma. But you know what? God's grace is sufficient. He is the great physician, yes. But he believes everything about us belongs to him. So I want you to either say, God, I'm in or I'm out. If it bothers you to hear Bible study or preaching or teaching or conversation about giving and let God pour some of his wealth through you, then there's a problem. But if you're one that says, Lord, you tell me what to do. I don't know what another day is going to bring. I have no idea. And while the people in New Orleans at this moment in that part happen to be the target today, we don't know what another day is going to bring. But I tell you what we do know. The only hope for the future is the bride of Christ, the church, who has the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And everything we have belongs to Him. Everything. If you're a guest, know we owe, we owe no one anything but to love one another. And today is the first day of the rest of our lives. So when the Holy Spirit comes, things begin to happen. I'll pick it up here next week. But if you want to do some Bible study, I'll give you, in about one minute, I'll give you some things to look up. When the Holy Spirit shows up, sinners get convicted. That's number one. Number two, sick people get well. Number three, weak people are made strong. Number four, listen, the poor become rich. You say, let me say that one again. The poor can become rich. Because they learn how to give. The rich who are obedient already will get blessed. Students will find purpose for their life. And senior adults are going to be revived. I don't know about you, but I need it. 
Anybody know that song, Send a Great Revival in My Heart? Let the Holy Spirit come and do it again. I hope we all finish well. I hope God wakes up every morning and, and doesn't have to think about whether he needs to call us on out of this mess world. But he wakes up and said, I think I can use them a little bit longer. Because it seems like they just want to talk about Jesus. Seems like they want to love each other. Seems like they want to forgive each other. Seems like they want to serve the Lord as long as they draw breath. 